Well, happy Father's Day to all the fathers. My children are in Arizona, and I miss them today, but it's a pleasure to be here. My name is Aaron Palmatier. I'm a missionary with Missions Door. I serve alongside Alan and John Aldax, who's here, is also a missionary. I'll be part of the team this week that is going to be serving here at the church and on the reservation. So we're looking forward to a great week, and it's a privilege to be here. It's always difficult as a guest speaker because you really don't know the congregation. The pastor knows the congregation or knows the kind of message appropriate. So as a guest speaker, I'm going to preach a message that I'm dealing with. This, In a sense, I'm preaching to myself something I'm wrestling with, and hopefully it'll apply to some of you as well. For years, Nicaragua, country down in Central America that we've served and have a number of missionaries, was ranked among one of the safest countries in Latin America. I've been there many times, taken my family there on vacations. We have, like I said, we have ministry there. But last year, the CBS reported that Nicaragua was experiencing the worst political crisis in the history of the country. They saw waves of protests against the Social Security reforms. Now, the Social Security reform would have increased people's payments that they had to pay and decreased their benefits. So you can imagine a number of people were upset. But the government was saying, in order to make Social Security last, we have to make these changes. In order to keep it going, we have to make the changes. So half the people were in favor of saying, okay, yeah, you're right, we need to make the changes. Other people were very much against it. And there was protests in the streets, uh, and people were even killed over the, and during the protests. Well, I received a call from Rigo, our Central America director. He's Nicaraguan, and he said, Aaron, we have a real problem in Nicaragua. I said, yeah, I know, I saw it on the news. He said, no, you don't know the half of it. And I said, what? And he said, well, you know the, the, the protests that are going on with the Sandinistas that support the government and the anti-Sandinistas who are against the government and against Daniel Ortega and against the reforms. I said, yeah, I, read, I, seen it, I saw it on the news. He said, Aaron, it's entered into the church. And I said, what do you mean? He said, half our church are pro-Sandinistas that believe in the reform. Half the church are anti-Sandinistas who don't want the reform. And I said, well, everybody has their own opinions. He said, yeah, but it's dividing the church. The people that are pro-Sandinistas don't even want to sit next to the anti-Sandinistas. They're totally against them. He said, in fact, when they walk in and they see somebody from the other political party, sometimes they don't even want to go into church. He said, it's dividing our church. And I said, wow, that's terrible. And he said, I am so glad that the church in America is so much more mature and would never let anything like this happen. Well, I had to tell him, we're not more mature. The church in America is becoming divided also over political issues. Satan has always tried to divide God's people with race, economics, politics. Because he knows a house divided cannot stand. And the best way he can destroy the church in America is to divide it. He has convinced us to fight each other over issues and even begin to hate each other over differing political issues. Well, the church of Colossae had the same problem. The Jews and the, and the Greeks were not getting along. The Jews were saying, Greeks can't be saved because they don't follow Jewish dietary laws and they don't observe the Sabbath, so they can't be saved. The Greeks were saying, oh, we can be saved. What are you talking about? And there was a battle over some political issues. So Paul the Apostle wrote a letter. And we find that letter in Colossians. So we're going to take a look at verses 5 through 17. 
Rather than reading the passage in entirety, I will read each verse one by one as we go through. So verse 5 starts out and says, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, which amounts to idolatry. My first thought was, that's not idolatry. I know what idolatry is. I've been to, to, to Southeast Asia. I've seen the Buddhist temples, and I've seen the Buddha, and I've seen the monks go in and bowing down and worshiping the Buddha. Well, that's idolatry, clearly. And I thought, well, how could this be idolatry? And then I realized passion, evil desires, greed, what is that doing? That's feeding yourself. That's feeding your flesh. And when you're feeding your flesh, you become worshiping your flesh, worshiping yourself. You think yourself is more important than other people and other things. So I, it truly is idolatry. It's self-worship. And he says, consider those things dead that are in your life. Well, I remember back in college, I, I was working my way through college, working at a mortuary and uh, picking, up, picking up bodies at night and, and, and stuff like that when the day shift was off. Well, I remember during the training time, they were telling me, okay, so, you know, here's some instructions, and here's how you handle the body, and, and here's what you do with the hearse, and those kinds of things. And, and I stopped and said, I have a question. I said, when I'm coming back in the middle of the night, and I'm driving the hearse, and I'm all alone, and I look in the mirror, and I see a body moving back there, what am I supposed to do? And they said, oh, it's, the body was misdiagnosed. It's still alive. Get back to the hospital as soon as you can. And I told him, I think I'm the wrong person for the job. And he said, why? And I said, because I've seen too many zombie movies. I said, if I'm coming back at 2 o'clock in the morning and I see a body moving, I'm stopping and going back with my 5D cell mag light, and I'm not going to stop swinging until that body stops moving. That's all there is to it. I, I'm not going to take any chances. I'll guarantee you, you'll have a dead body when you get to the mortuary, one way or another. Well, he, re, he told me, well, don't worry. In 40 years, that's never happened. He, the 40 years that he's worked there. He said, dead is dead. They're not coming back to life. When they're pronounced dead, they're 100% sure. So you don't have to worry about that. And to maybe think of this verse, he's saying, consider immorality and, and, and passion and evil desires and greed dead in your body. And dead is gone. Dead is not coming back to life. So if we put those things to death, dead is dead. They're gone. Verse 6, 7 says, For it is because of these things the wrath of God will become upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you once walked when you were living with them. It's interesting. He said, in them you once walked. It denotes a, a walking, a series of sinning. It's not like it just happened once, but you're walking in this path. You're walking along the path, knowing you're on the wrong path, but continuing down the path. But it's past tense. He said, in them, you once walked. You're not on that path anymore. He makes it clear you are not walking along that path. It's past tense. You are on a different path. Your path has been altered. When I first became a Christian, it reminded me of something. When I first became a Christian, um, I had a girlfriend at the time, and neither one of us were Christians. And we went to church, and a friend of mine invited me to church. And, and uh, I heard the gospel for the first time. And the pastor said, does anyone want to go to heaven to be a Christian? Well, I was, my hand was the first one up. I thought, of course I want to go to heaven. Who, I mean, who wouldn't want to go to heaven, right? I'll, ta I'll take what you're selling. I'll buy some of that. I'll go to heaven. Well, my girlfriend looked at me, and she goes, oh, great. I said, what? She goes, now you're going to become one of those Jesus freaks and start carrying around your Bible and acting all weird. I looked at her. I kid you not. I looked at her and said, don't worry. I won't change. 
I will be the same person I always was. I will not change a bit. I'm just going to heaven now. Nothing in my life is going to change. Don't worry. Well, I didn't realize when you invite Jesus into your life, he begins to change you from the inside out. I was actually trying hard not to change, but God had a hold of my life, and he began changing me uh, without me even realizing it. My desires, what I wanted to do, the way I thought, the way I treated people, began to change as God was working from the inside out. Finally, my girlfriend came to me a couple months later, and she said, I told you this was going to happen. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to change. I'm sorry. And she goes, you know, you're not Aaron anymore. You, you are a totally different person. She goes, I can't even call you Aaron because Aaron's dead. Aaron's gone. She goes, your last name is Paul Mateer. I'm going to call you Paul from now on. She says, because you're not Aaron. Aaron's gone. And I said, well, what, am I, what, what, what should I do? She goes, Aaron has to come back or we're breaking up. I can't handle living around Paul anymore. I want Aaron back. So you, ch you choose God or you choose me. Well, I'm here, so you know what I chose. But our life and our path has been altered so much so that people should recognize it. When you're on a different path and your life has been altered and those old things have been put to death, people should notice. People should see the difference in your life. Verse 8, but now also... Put aside anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Put aside those things. It, the, the Greek gives the idea of changing clothes. You had clothes on, and now you're going to take those old clothes off that used to identify you. And you're going to put those old clothes aside and get rid of them because they no longer represent you. That's no longer who you are. Put aside those old clothes. Change those clothes. One time, Nancy, my wife, came to me, and she goes, you need to get rid of some of your old T-shirts. And I said, I don't, I don't have that many. She goes, you have a lot of T-shirts. You've got a lot of old clothes. And I said, well, that's just, that's just what I wear. I've got, I'm in Arizona. I wear my summer T-shirts. I have my winter T-shirts. I'm a T-shirt kind of guy. And she goes, you have too many. You have too many. You need to get rid of some of them. And I said, I don't have too many. She goes, go and count them. Count up how many T-shirts you have, and then come back and tell me the number. And I thought, I can do that. I don't have that many. I only got a few. It's no big deal. So I went and counted the T-shirts in my drawer and in my closet. I came back to her, hanging my head low. And I, she goes, how many do you have? I said, 47. <laughs> and she said, you have 47 T-shirts. You need to get rid of some. So I wanted to compromise, you know, being married. And, and I got rid of one. I did. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was willing to get rid of one. Um, we need to change our old clothes. We need to change out of anger and wrath and malice and slander and abusive speech. Anger conveys the idea of a quick burst of rage, like lighting straw on fire. Lights up real fast and you'd go from zero to anger and, and angry in seconds. Whereas wrath is a slow burning fire that festers inside and refuses to be put out. We need to put aside anger and wrath. My biggest Sins as a Christian are sins of my, my speech, my verbal sins, things that I say that I just should not have said. It's so easy for me to just say something flippantly, but the sins of talking are my biggest sins, my biggest issue. Short while ago, I was visiting some relatives and friends in, in California, and they were watching a particular news station that I was not real fond of. But I was there visiting with them, and, you know, we were being nice, and I was talking to my relatives, and, 
And the, the newscaster began saying things about a particular figure, political figure, and just saying horrible things, tearing this person up one side and down the other. And I noticed everybody in the room was agreeing with the newscaster. And I was getting mad. I was getting mad. I'm thinking, that's not true. Those are lies. How could you possibly agree with this, this guy on TV? He's not telling the truth. And I was getting madder. And I felt all this abusive speech building up inside my mouth. And it was just standing there waiting. And I thought, okay, I'm going to open the door and I'm going to let these people have it. I'm going to tell them what for. I'm going to let them know that they are clearly out to lunch and they shouldn't be listening to this guy on TV. And I'm just going to let, I'm just going to rail on them. But then I thought, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy that's, that, that always is, is, is criticizing others and, and being the downer in the room and, and, and full of abusive speech. I had to ask myself, how can I have so much animosity toward them? That's, that's not really who I want to be. That's not who I want to be. But I was ready to go. Oh, I was ready to go. And I wanted to open my mouth so bad. But I realized almost everything around me the media, social media, the te television, was saying things to cause anger in me. They were saying things to make me hate those people. And I thought, I don't want to do that. I can't, I can't watch the news because it's just making me mad. It's just making me, it's just making me mad at those people. And I don't want to be that guy. I want to be, I want to be like Jesus with love in my heart. So we need to take off those old clothes. We need to quit having those influences in our life. We need to put aside abusive speech and wrath and anger and malice. Throw away the old clothes, unless they're t-shirts, that your favorite t-shirt. You can keep those. Verse 9, do not lie to one another, since you've laid aside the old self with its evil practices, and have put on the new self, who is being re renewed by the true knowledge, according to the image of Christ, who created him. Do not lie, but be renewed by Christ who created you. A friend of mine, Andy, who's uh, just took a job, but passed his real estate license, and he's a realtor. It seems like everybody's selling real estate now because the, the market's so hot. And I was talking to him, and he said, hey, I, I, I wanted to tell you, Aaron. I said, what? And he goes, there's a person that I'm working with that is a brand new realtor also, but I want to tell you about her previous job. And I said, what's that? And he said she was employed by a political party and paid $100,000 a year by this political party to make up lies and put them on social media. I said, oh, come on, you got to be kidding me. She said, he said, no, this girl's job was to create stories to make her readers hate the other political party. And she said, he said, they're all lies. She would pick some obscure town that no one's heard of, some obscure people or some obscure school that no one's heard of, so no one can fact check it. And she would make up this story that would make people mad and hate those people. And I thought, I had no idea. When I read stuff on social media, I read these stories, oh, they make me so mad and I want to do something about it. But now I realize most of them are lies. Most of them are just made up being by somebody who's paid $100,000 a year from a political party just to make me mad. That, is still, that alone makes me mad that there's someone doing that. But the problem is we repost these stories and we lie because we're, we're perpetuating a lie. We tell the stories, oh man, did you hear what happened in Timbuktu? And we tell what happened that we read and it's a lie. 
So we're lying. When we believe these stories and we repost them or we tell them to friends, we're lying because these stories are not true. Do not lie to one another. Lay aside your old self with your evil practices. Verse 11, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free, but Christ is all and in all. We all know back in biblical times, the Jews were God's chosen people. They were the people that God blessed, that God smiled upon. And the Greeks, well, they were outsiders. They, they were not part of God's chosen people. They were, they were on the outside. But at least the Greeks were smart. They had philosophers. They had their, their own system of beliefs. They had science that they worked with. So the Greeks felt good about themselves, even though they were kind of on the outside compared to the Jews. But the Greeks were thankful they were not like the barbarians. I mean, the barbarians, they were, they were the dregs of society. They may, the Greeks may not be God's chosen people, but they weren't the barbarians. Come on. Well, the barbarians said, well, we may be the dregs of society, but at least we're not like the Scythians, who were even lower than the barbarians. They were considered just above animals, or maybe equal to animals. They were, they were, they were even worse than the barbarians. Nobody would associate or even talk to them or even get near them. Well, in the church also, you had slaves, and slaves were considered tools. They weren't even considered human. They had no rights to marry, to do anything they wanted to do. They were tools to be used by the master. That's it. And you had slave owners. So imagine walking into the church, and in one pew, you got a Jew, right? You got a Greek, you got a barbarian, you got a Scythian, you got a slave who's not even human, and the slave owner sitting next to him. Society says these people can't be in the same building together. That's just not possible. But in Christ, God united all these people. I mean, just imagine, what, what is the slave owner who on the outside tells the slave, you're not even human, you're my property, you're my tool, but now he's their brothers in Christ. I mean, that, uh, what, what could he possibly do? How could he say that? And the, and the, and the Jew and the Greek sitting next to a barbarian or Scythian, but now they're your brothers in Christ. They wouldn't even want to be in the same room with these people, but now they're brothers in Christ. I would love to have gone to one of their potlucks and just heard the conversation. I mean, what could they possibly say to each other? I would have loved to have heard that. The ancient world was full of divisions and deep-rooted hate from one group to another, but Christianity destroys barriers and brings unity. What barriers have you put up that God needs to destroy today? Who do you not want to sit next to at church? What barriers have you built up? And you're thinking, not that person. No, thank you. Left-wing liberals who voted for Hillary and Biden? Right-wing Trump-loving gun nuts? Pro-lifers? Pro-choicers? Who has Satan convinced you to hate? Christianity destroys barriers between races, classes, between political parties. Are you a Christian? Christianity destroys those barriers. In Christ, there is renewal. And there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, liberal and conservative, Democrat and Republican, blue lives matter or black lives matter, vaxxed or unvaxxed, masked or unmasked. Christ is in all and through all and destroys those barriers that society insists that we put up. I'm an Arizona Ranger when I am in Arizona, and I belong to the group. And um, 
I'm one of the chaplains of the Arizona Rangers. Well, there was a, a banquet a short while ago, and the Arizona Rangers, it was put on by the governor, and it was, they invited religious leaders, so the chaplains of the, of the Arizona Rangers were invited. I wasn't able to go, but two of my fellow chaplains went. And they always wear their, their wristbands, their, their thin blue line wristbands of support of Blue Lives Matter. They went in and sat down at the table, and there was three other couples already sitting at the table. Well, they sat down there. And keep in mind, this is a, a religious group, Christian people. They sat down at the table, and the other three couples noticed that they had the thin blue line wristbands on. And one at a time, they made excuses to get up from the table and leave, and they never came back. They wouldn't even sit with their fellow brothers in Christ because they had thin blue line wristbands on. And they were not in favor of that. It divided Christian brothers' political views. They wouldn't come back. Christ is in all and through all. If we as Christians can't get along and love each other, what hope does society have? What hope does the country have? We should be leading the way of unity for our country. But too many times... We're leading the way of division. Verse 12. So as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 8 tells us what we're supposed to take off, the old clothes. Verse 12 is the new clothes that we're supposed to put on. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Compassion is deep inner feelings for another suffering. Kindness is how we treat other people, even when we disagree with them. Humility is seeing ourselves in relationship to God. If we see ourselves in relationship to God, then we'll realize we have no rights, but we're simply God's messengers. Think about your last conversation, your last Facebook post, your last tweet. Was it full of kindness, humility, and gentleness? Those are the new clothes that we must put on and we must be wearing. Short while ago, I, I commented on a Facebook post, which I was the first and last time I'll ever do that because I realized there's no reason to do that. It, it doesn't accomplish anything. But a friend of mine had made a comment, a political comment, and I simply reminded her, I said, you know, don't confuse the issue. We, our, our citizenship is in heaven. And, and that's our primary citizenship. We need to see ourselves as people of the kingdom of God, people of the word. Our political party is secondary to our citizenship in heaven. And this is what she wrote back. It's sad you've stooped so low to call me confused. This is an example of immature conversation. But of course, immature conversation is the theme among you people. You people? Well, what people am I? I've known this girl for over 30 years. We've shared our faith together. We've led Bible studies together. We've led prayer meetings together. But now because I pointed her to Jesus and, and, and disagreed with her political view, now I'm you people and I'm immature. What is going on? What is going on with the church in America? Verse 13, 14, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, for whoever has a complaint against one another, just as the Lord forgave you, you should also. Beyond these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Forgiving each other completely. God forgave us. We didn't have to pay for it. He's not remembering our sins. There's no retribution. There's nothing we had to do but accept his forgiveness. He forgave us wholly and completely. 
and we're to forgive others as he's forgiven us. Think in your mind and your heart, who are you not forgiving right now? Who, just, who do you know that just doesn't deserve forgiveness? They did something, and maybe over and over again, and you just flat out decided, you know what? That person does not deserve forgiveness. Well, neither did you. Neither did you. God, you continually do things against God's plan for your life. But God forgives you time and time again. We need to forgive others just as God's forgiven us, whether they're deserving or not, because we're not deserving. He said to put on love. Love is not an addition to the list, but a summation of the whole list. Put on love. Keep your, take off your old clothes, put on your new clothes, but more than anything, put on love. Christ's love is the bond that causes unity. It brings you, it creates unity. We as Christians must not let Satan divide us, but we must put on love and work toward unity, regardless of our individual bias. The, church, the future of the church in our country hangs in the balance. Are you putting on love? Are you serving Christ and promoting unity? Or are you serving Satan and causing division? Verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called into one body, and be thankful. Make the peace of Christ rule in your heart. The word rule is borrowed from an athletic term, similar to an umpire. So when you get ready to do something, or say something, or respond, let the peace of Christ be your umpire. Let him decide whether it's fair ball or foul ball in your heart before it comes out. My Uncle Louie was an umpire in the minor league um, games. He was an umpire for many years. And he said, Aaron, no matter what I did, no matter what call I made, somebody from the stands would yell at me. If I called fair ball, they would yell at me and ask if I was blind or not because it was a foul. If I called foul ball, they would yell at me and say, no, that was a strike. What are you, blind or something? He said, I got yelled at all the way through the game, no matter what call I made. And he said, I would always stand up and tell, look to the crowd and say, I'm the umpire. I get the last say. Nothing you say matters. Nothing you say makes a difference. I'm the umpire and it's my call. And you want to yell at me all you want, that's fine. It doesn't matter. You don't count. Only I count. He said, let the peace, in your, uh, the peace of Christ be your umpire. Let the peace of Christ be the only thing that matters to make that call on your behavior. Are you a peacemaker in the body? Or have you put on your old clothes and become a divider of the body? We will spend eternity with some of the very people we, don't, we wouldn't even invite over for dinner. Some of the very people that we're criticizing and that we wouldn't even want to talk to. We're going to spend eternity with those people. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ. Are we building up the body or are we tearing it apart? Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your heart to the Lord. Let the word indwell you richly. In order for God's word to indwell us richly, it needs to be the entire word. The fullness of the gospel needs to indwell us. I know a number of people who pick certain verses that represent what they think and what they believe, and those verses indwell in them richly, but not the entire word. The entire word from the beginning end needs to indwell in us richly. As I speak different places, different churches, um, I've, I've heard comments, um, and I've encountered a church that says, 
you know, we're conservatives here, and we don't believe liberals can even be Christians. We, we don't believe, we don't believe liberals, we don't believe they can be saved. And I said, what, how, why do you think that? And they said, they, they think it's okay to kill a baby in the womb, and you can't be a Christian and, and believe in abortion. You just can't. So, so liberals can't be Christians. Well, I went to another church back on the East Coast, and interesting enough, they said, we don't believe conservatives can be Christians. It's just not possible. You can't be a, a Republican or a conservative and be a Christian. And I said, well, why on earth would you think that? And they said, because conservatives are against the people closest to God's heart. And I said, please explain. And they said, all throughout the Bible, God says, welcome the stranger and the alien among you. Care for the poor and the needy. Welcome that in. Treat the alien as, as you would treat Christ in your house. He said, the conservatives want to keep the aliens out. They want to build fences. They, they hate the aliens. They, they hate the, the, the foreigners and the strangers. They can't possibly be Christians because they're against the people that are closest to God's heart. Well, can conservatives be Christians? Sure. Can liberals be Christians? Sure. The problem is everybody's picking and choosing their favorite verses to represent how they feel. And they're not letting God's entire word indwell in them richly. They're just picking their favorite verses to proof text how they believe. If the word of Christ is to dwell in us richly, it must be complete. We must include all the verses. We must be people of the word and citizens of heaven, first and foremost. Finish up with verse 17. Whatever you do in word and deed, do in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father. Whatever you do, whatever you say, your attitude, your actions, your response to others. Whatever you do, he says, do in the name of the Lord. Whatever you do, whatever you say, do in the name of the Lord. When we walk away from a conversation, we should not be asking ourselves, did I win? Did I prove my point? Was I right? We should be asking ourselves, did I represent Christ? Did I point the person to Jesus? Did I help the person grow closer to Jesus? Rather than, did I win the argument? There's a story told of Alexander the Great, a great leader in his time, brave, noble. And at one point, there were young soldiers being brought to him in front of the court. And these soldiers had a list of offenses against them. He would hear the offenses and decide their punishment. So soldier after soldier would come. They would read the, the offenses of the soldier and, you know, this and this and this. And he would decide uh, whether they're going to be, uh, you know, thrown in jail or what kind of punishment. Well, a soldier came to him, and they read the offenses. And Alexander looked down and said, young man, what's your name? And the soldier said, Alexander. Alexander the Great got up and walked over. He said, what you say your name was? And the soldier said, uh, 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 Alexander, sir. And he said, your name is Alexander? He said, yes, sir. Well, Alexander the Great picked him up and threw him across the room and said, you change your name or you change your conduct. We're Christians. We're Christians. We need to either change our name or change our conduct. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that speaks to us so clearly in every situation in our life. I pray, Lord, that everybody here would be peacemakers and strive to build unity within the family of God. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.